Since 2017, the Italian Wine Podcast has exploded and expects to hit 6 million listens by the end of July 2023. We're celebrating this success by recognizing those who have shared the journey with us and giving them the opportunity to contribute to the ongoing success of the shows. By buying a paper copy of the Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 or making a donation to help the ongoing running costs, members of the international Italian wine community will be given the chance to nominate future guests and even enter a prize draw to have lunch with Stevie Kim and Professor Attilio Scienza. To find out more, visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin! Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Italian Wine Club on Clubhouse. It's now called The House, as you know. Today's guest is Fabio. I see Fabio. Ciao, Fabio. Steve, ciao. Ciao, How are you? I'm very fine. Very happy to stay with you. Yeah, you know, um, I have some exciting news for all of us. We've just received the OIV Book Award. Like It's like the Book of the Year Award for Italian Wine Unplugged. It's very exciting. Oh, fantastic. Bravo, I know. Bravo, I know you're also a book lover because you had sent me the lovely book, the recipe book with beautiful photographs of Sicily from your wife, yes. Melissa. Right? She's Melissa. here with me. Hey, yes, ciao, I'm here. Melissa. Hello, hey. Ciao. Thank you. How are you? How are you? Good, good. We have a tiny problem here because we don't have Beverly. Mm, I see that. I see. It. Oh, here oh, she I is. I see Bev now. Uh, hello, Bev. Hi there, Stevie. How are you? Good morning. Were you sleeping? I saw that you had sent through the chat what you were going to drink afterwards. <laughs> uh, pericone. Yes. Yeah, pericone. So very excited. <laughs> so we're going to start. I just jumped in to say quickly say hello. And Laika is sitting here with me because I have another impegno. But I will, of course, listen to this conversation on replay on Italian Wine Podcast. By the way, we have reached 6 million listens on SoundCloud. So amazing. And one of the more popular shows is absolutely Clubhouse. So I'm sitting right here next to Laika. She's going to take over. She has been our Clubhouse manager. We've been through 100 episodes just on Clubhouse alone. We've reached 1,500 episodes, right? Yeah. Okay. And so actually, Joy, our Italian wide podcast, she's quitting on me. So Laika is going to take over. <laughs> now onwards. So very exciting. Joy is, we're so grateful. She's lasted about five years already. I can't believe it. So it was about time. I think she's completely burnt out. I've erased every single brain cells. So we're going on our actually team building Jita tomorrow. So we'll all be together. So looking forward to that. And so Laika, over to you. Ciao ragazzi. Have fun. Ciao, ciao. And, ciao and congratulations on the recognition for Italian Thank you. You know what well. that's like. We so much hard book. work. You know, they say, uh, you know, good things happen to those who wait. But, you know, better if you to those who work really, really hard. Well, this book deserves it. It's definitely a benchmark book of about Italian wine and the genetics. Behind yeah, it's kind of geeky, but, you know, no, it is what it, it is. No, we love it. We love it. We talk about it all the time. So. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Ciao, Fabio. Ciao, 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 Stevie. Ciao. Before we begin, I would like to introduce to all our audience, Bev. So Bev, she's a wine enthusiast and lifelong learner, retired as a registered nurse, International Sommelier Guild Level 2, through Wine Scholar Guild, French Wine Scholar, Rhone Masters, and Italian Wine Scholar. Italian Wine Maestro, taught by Marsha Ham, Italian Wine Expert. And she's actually here in the room, I think. Yeah, Marsha is here. Ciao, Marsha. Okay, and Bev is 
our Italian Wine Ambassador 2022 in Verona. So her intention is to return to Verona to achieve the expert level. So before I begin turning over to Bev, I would like to ask you, Bev. Hi, Bev. Hello. Ah, hello, Laika. So tell us why you selected Fabio Siracci as your favorite producer. Quite simply, I enjoy his wines for taste and food pairing, and more importantly, for the story that's in the bottle. And I really respect the effort, the patience, and the minimal intervention he puts into his grape growing and making the wine. And there's such a uniqueness about Sicilian wines that you just can't duplicate. Right. And what are the learning objectives that we should expect from this interview? To learn more about Fabio and how he developed his wines, his approach, what he grows, and the history of Fudo Montoni, because it's a very ancient history. And just to develop some appreciation of what comes out of Sicily and the people behind it. I'm really looking forward to this. And last question is, how did you discover the wines of Fudo Montoni? Well, it was a virtual tasting during the dark days of pandemic lockdown. So Gervinder Bata, who's one of the three Italian wine experts in our province of Alberta, organized this. So Gervinder is an importer of wine. And I refer to him as the wine unicorn because allegedly he lives here, but there's really rare, rare sightings of him. But he does travel extensively to promote small producers of unique and exceptional wines. So during the lockdown, we went out, had to wait outside the store. They brought it to the car, you know, everybody's mask up. So we purchased a lot of Fuda Montoni wines. And with that, we had a list of authentic Sicilian recipes that we could cook to pair with the wine, just to get a more local flavor of the experience. And coincidentally, during lockdown, I turned to using a lot of cookbooks because we couldn't eat out. So I searched out cookbooks that had used a lot of eggplant, because I love eggplant. And it was a cookbook called Sicily by Fabio's wife, Melissa Muller. So we were able to cook the recipes and drink the wine and connect over the internet half a world away. So it was a lovely connection when we couldn't go out anywhere because of COVID. It's really a connection because of a common passion. So that's really amazing. So I'm going to mute myself and I will turn over the floor to you, Bev. So thank you, Laika. I'd like to introduce you to Fabio Sorecci, who is a third generation winemaker in central Italy for Fudo Montoni Wines. And he's originally educated as a mechanical engineer. The land has been producing grapes since about 1469. And Melissa Muller is his wife and a former chef and restaurant owner in New York. And she cooks a lot of beautiful food that complements the land that also grows the grapes. Fabio not only produces grapes, but durum wheat and legumes and olives as well. Hello, Fabio. Hello. Hello, Bev. Fabio, what did you do today? Oh, it's a, it was a very busy day, like always. Now, today, the day is focused on the harvest in, uh, for the durum wheat. And today is the time in which we are making uh, the durum wheat collection. We have a vineyard, we have grape, but we have two other production, like, as you said before, honeysuckle, like uh, lentils, like chippies, and, uh, and durum wheat. Sicily is very famous for the durum wheat, for pasta. Yes, even in like Roman times, Sicily was the breadbasket for the rest right. of Italy and growing. Right. Um, Fabio, who convinced you to make your own wine? You were growing grapes, but which of your neighbors thought that your wine could stand on its own? I can say that no one convinced no? me. No, no. It's something that was born in my heart. That, of course, it was like a seed that was put from my family my father, mama, my grandfather. I lived always in uh, Montoni. So from ever, I was in the wine world, in the grape world. And we must to consider that my area, where Montoni, where Feudo Montoni is, is uh, completely isolated in the sense that we have uh, no other uh, winery close to us, except of uh, Tasca d'Almerita, Regaliali that is the only one close of Montoni, 20 kilometers to us. 
So I can say that is something that came from uh, the soul. <laughs> it must, it's your DNA. Uh, Fabio, yeah. when I tried to figure out where Fudamontoni is, I looked at the map on your website and it was a map from 1154 under King Roger II, who was at that time King of Sicily and Africa. So Fudumontoni looks like it's at the junction of three important valleys. Can you tell me a little bit about the history of the land? The history of the land is very huge because uh, uh, take, uh, take the history from uh, Spanish domination, first of all. And uh, the owner was aristocratic family from Spanish during, of course, the Spanish domination. Later, there was the domination of the church that uh, from the north, Cefalu, Cefalu is a famous village, uh, touristic now village of, uh, of Sicily. Um, the church has a big and huge uh, land that uh, was owned and that uh, was uh, managed by the church city of Vatican or Rome, and uh, Montoni was included in this area. Later, in the 18th century, was uh, the owner was the Cardinal of Catania. It was a very beautiful period because uh, this uh, Cardinal of Catania, that was to a, a noble man, a noble family, increased strongly the vineyard, the grape cultivation and the wines. And in the 18th century, uh, at the end of the 18th century, my family, my grandfather bought the land from uh -huh. the capital of Catania. And then um, my grandfather, my father, now me, and I hope now my two beautiful boys that we have. <laughs> Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Mama Jumbo Shrimp. I understand your boys help you out, do they? Yeah, <laughs> they are very small. Elio is uh, three years old. He has a small bag in which he has uh, the la forbice. The scissors to cut. The scissors to cut. <laughs> he has a small piccola zappa. A little uh, hoe. He folds the employee every day. He doesn't want to, to take the food to hit with us. He wants to stay with him. And I am very happy. Wow. Because it's starting to have the to grow the, the roots in the mm -hmm. underground of Montoni. Well, that sounds much more enriching than watching an iPad or something for a child. So why yeah. do you refer to Sfudo Montoni as an island within an island? The history um, helped to be forever isolated in different sense. Uh, first of all, Geological, we are in the top of a mountain at 800 meters above sea level. We are like an hermitage, completely isolated from all, from everyone, from any other cultivation, from every other farmer. As I said before, the vineyard is completely isolated from other vineyards. That's very important for the pureness of the genetic code that Mm -hmm. that are in the vines. It was the so-called the granary of the Roman Empire because it was first grown here, the durum wheat. And from ever here, it's like a part of Sicily that is, in my opinion, for explorator, not for touristic. That's why very important writer like Pirandello, Quasimodo, Shasha wrote about Sicily. Uh -huh. film filmmaker like Tornatore with the, with the star maker, the Gatto Pardo too, they filmed and moved here. Because this, I think that Sicily, it's, we can divide in the two big areas. The tourist area, amazing area like Taormina, Palermo, Grigento and so on. And then the heart, that is, uh, if you want to know the soul of the Sicilian people, and if you want to understand the soul of the land, you should come here. And as I said before, we are in the middle, in the perfect middle of Sicily, where starts the three big valleys, Valdemone, Valdinotto, Valdimazzara, that was the three valley that divided Sicily. We could remember the Arabian uh, yeah. flag that has uh, the three legs the valley, it comes from the Arabic, and valley means govern it, not valley as in uh, geographical. Depression, yeah. 
and the governance because it, the island was strategically divided into these three areas of for rule during the Arabic period. But that stayed very prevalent throughout the centuries, even after the period of Islamic rule finished. Well, Sicily is so deep in history and many, many layers of culture, isn't it? Fabio, that was a wonderful comparison to the Hill of Hermitage because Etna gets a lot of attention because of its elevation, but the inside of Sicily has very high altitude vineyards as well. Right. Etna, of course, is an amazing vulcan. It's 3,300 meters. Mm-hmm. But in the Sicily, we are, for example, Montoni, that is 800 meters above sea level. We are between two big mountains. It's Madonia Mountains. It's 2,000 meters. And Monte Camarata, that's 1,500 meters above sea level. Monte Camarata is the highest mountain of the west side of Sicily. Etna is the highest mountain of the east side of Italy. So we are in the top of the, the to, rooftop of the Sicily. The rooftop of Sicily. That's <laughs> help us very, very much for everything that we do. Sicily is 24% mountain. That is and, amazing. It is. And 60% hill, and the plain lands are about nearly about 15%. Wow. Fabio, what crops do you harvest first, and what do you harvest last in the season? Uh, Starting from when, Bev? Um, now. Okay. No. Okay. <laughs> now we are harvesting the durum wheat, the lentils, the chickpeas, and then the grapes for the wines, then the olive for the olive oil. Okay. Which grapes are first to ripen usually? Depending on the vintages, but uh, more or less is the, the first one that opens the shows is the grillo. Okay. And the last? It's the pericone. Sometime with pericone grape, we arrived at the beginning of uh, November. That is late. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so on the island of Sicily, you get the cold winds from the north and there's hot winds off of Africa. Do both those winds come to your vineyards or is one stronger than the other? Uh, yes. Through the valleys that we talked before, across Sicily, as you said before, the cold uh, wind from the north, that is the Tramontana or Maestrale, and uh, from the south is the Scirocco wind that is more hot. And of course, uh, sometime this wind from Africa, more in the last uh, years, could be a bit to take uh, uh, in very observation, very, I would say, the attention, because uh, it could be very hot. We had last two days in Sicily of the highest temperature of the last three years, except for 2021, that in Syracuse there was 48, is a well remember. That is the highest temperature of ever of Europe. Oh, my. How did you survive? Uh, Right, right. We are here in Montoni, so we are in the mountain. So during the daylight, of course, we have uh, not 47, but we have, uh, I can say, 38. But in the evening, we have always a chilly temperature. We have always a very strong difference between the night and day of the temperature. And this is uh, for us uh, the help that give the possibility to the vines to breathe. The diurnal temperature fluctuation. Wow. Um, Fabio, you don't buy new vines from nurseries. You do your own massal selection. How do you do that to keep the DNA pure in your vineyards? I can say that I am lucky in the sense that uh, (laughs) everything that I have now uh, of course, came from the past, and everything is something that uh, was uh, used to grow from my father. Everything here is very natural. It's very, I can say, like a, a serenity uh, approach to the wine world. But what I found in Montoni, for me, at the beginning of my wine job 30 years ago, 
was not so happy how I can be now. In the sense that, um, for example, Nero Davola. Okay. In Montoni, we have uh, very old vines of Nero Davola, Prefilosara vines, because my grandfather bought the land and there was already these uh, vines, huge vines, old vines. So we can say that uh, the Cardinal of Catania had, so that means that these vines came from the middle of the 18th century. So when I started to make my wine, Fabio wine, my generation, that is different of my father's generation, because my father's generation was uh, the generation that made the wine for high degree to sell to the north of Italy, to sell to other country and so on. Mm-hmm. But my generation was a generation more curious to make uh, not wine for other country, not wine for other <laughs> winery, but okay. the, for, for us. But the problem was when I started to travel with my bottle under the wing <laughs> okay. to present in the, in the wine testing, to present to the wine importer at the beginning in the Europe with my old car, with the car of my father. And everyone said, for example, about Nero Davola, that I prefer to call Calabrese. Anyway, uh-huh. uh, no, this is not Nero Davola. <laughs> and they say to me 20 years ago, 30 years ago, oh, oh, no, 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 no. This is not Nero Davola of Sicily. And Why? Stay... Fabio, what did it taste like to them? The problem was uh, what they, the buyer, the wine uh, uh, opinion leader, know about Sicily. 30 years ago, was not uh, communicated the island in the different terroir, in the different uh, wine style that we can produce. So the world waits from Sicily, our wines of the south. Dot. That means that it was and it must to be a wine heavy, jammy, structured, black in the color, and when I present my wine in the glass, that is completely the opposite. It's uh, no black, it's no structured, it's uh, no heavy, it's not jammy. They thought that it was not Nero Daula. <laughs> so I came back in Sicily very frustrated. And it was for me very difficult to, to take for the next uh, uh, harvest. But... All my raw material here were what I have, of course. And uh, I continue to make my wine, Feudo Montoni wine. The wine that is not, 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 not colored, not jammy, not structured, and so on. Not Sicilian. Then, the my lucky was in the 2000 to meet Giacomo Takis, the famous winemaker of Sassicaia, of Tinori, uh, uh-huh. and so on. He was the director of the Istituto Regionale of the Vite del Vino, that he was called here from the lovely Diego Planeta, uh, that was the, the director of the Istituto Vite Vino. And Diego Planeta, the Baron Diego Planeta, very amazing uh, brain, <laughs> understood that uh, we should uh, communicate other Sicily wines. And he called Giacomo Stakis here to study the grape, to study the terroir, to study the different wine. And when I say the study, it means the genetic code, it means the history, and uh, of course, to present to the world with the power of the Giacomo Stakis brain without be, being afraid to say something that could be different of what the world was looking for. And Giacomo Takis and Diego Planeta, and of course other people, take this way and choose the different area and start to communicate to the world that Sicily has no one Nero Davola. No one Catarato. Sicily is the largest island of Europe, largest island of the Mediterranean. So Sicily is a continent. And when the 
Giacomo Takis uh, tested how our wines, Brucara, for example, the Nero Davola Prefilossera, he said that he was completely surprised of the wine that he tested, completely different of the wine that he tested here before. And uh, Giacomo Takis and Diego Planeta was for me the people, the men that gave to me the courage to say to the world what is for me Nero Daulo of Montoni and that not, 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 not appellation, not black, not structured, not jammy, were not a negative communication, but it was something to say here we have a different area. For example, Montoni has a deep wines with very high freshness, uh-huh. high acidity, low pH, and for the Nero Davola, that is the more famous in the world, the grape, it's completely different than, than the other area. It's uh, if we can give a color to the wines, well-known Nero Davola Sicily is more in the direction of the red color, is more in the direction of the sherry, of the red fruits. In Montoni, no. He has a very minimal part that the expression is of the fruits, of the red fruits, of the sherry, but is more expression of menthol, eucalyptus, mint. It's a world that is in the, in the land of Montoni. That was the key that switched on, in my mind, to follow what the past gave to me. You followed your instincts and you had good encouragement from your colleagues. Yeah. Wow. To have those pre-phylloxera vines is very, very special. But what is that plant, that mint plant that grows wild, that it's named after? I care of you because, Bev, you know every particular of Montoni. So (laughs) thank you, you, Bev. You have a wild mint plant that grows up Right, right, right. It's called the Vruca. Vruca. I couldn't pronounce it. Vruca. Okay, and that's what you name your preflox ravines after. Yeah. Yeah. It's a old and very Sicilian, typical wild grass that is in the Vrucara crew. That's uh, resinous. If you crush, it's mantle. It's uh, like a peppermint. And it's uh, there in the Vrucara land from ever, from Mm -hmm. century and century. And probably there could be a a genetic marriage. I don't know. It's something that I say, but (laughs) could be. Okay. You know, last November, I had the good fortune to attend at Gita Scholastica through Vinitaly to um, Sicilia DOC. And we were based on the West Coast in the little town of Trapani. So one morning, we had a master class that was held by the incomparable Filippo Bartolotta on Nero d'Avola. And Filippo guided us through eight different Nero d'Avola, grown at six different altitudes, starting at 50 meters above sea level, and then 150, and then 200, and all the way up to about 600 meters above sea level. So it was really impactful to see that transformation from the dark, tannic, rustic Nero d'Avola. And as we moved up the wines to the higher elevations, they got slightly paler, just a little bit. And the alcohol dipped a little bit. And there was more floral, a bit more mineral. There was this ping of saline. And you could really taste and see the evolution of the wine growing from near sea level up to a higher altitude. So it was probably the most worthwhile tasting that I have done just to have those wines in front of me guided by Filippo. So when you say that your Nero d'Avola is unique and is set apart from the others, I I truly understand that. For me, it's very exciting to be with my own history that's very long, but it's very interesting how much kaleidoscopic is Sicily. 
I would like to communicate to the world, like you said before, that here there are more or less, I can say, eight, ten different Nerodavola, completely different one by the other, and amazing one for different reasons by the other. This could be, for me, the Nerodavola communication 2.0, because <laughs> I am a bit tired to be... Uh, when, well, for example, when I received a phone call from a buyer and he said, okay, I would like to buy a Nerodavola. I said, I have not. Because it's a very stupid question. It's a very stupid uh, approach. If, you, if the world, if uh, the buyer say, I want one Nerodavola, we are not making uh, um, bullone screws. Or we are not making a screws. There is not one Nerodavola. Sicily is not one Nerodavola. Sicily is something that uh, who has a second level to approach with should be very considered like uh, uh, an amazing laboratory. That is another thing very important that, that is at the beginning of the rediscovering of the past and it's at the beginning of the communication for the next future. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yes. Um, you know, and in Italy, we focus a lot on the distinction between biotypes and where the grapes are from. Um, Fabio, in front of me on my kitchen table, I do have one of your Neurodavolas. It's the Legnusa 2018. <laughs> so, that means lazy in Italian. Will I be lazy after I drink it or what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, when you say the Lagnusa, for me, is my big, big brother, is Nero Davola Lagnusa. Vrucara is Nero Davola Vrucara, that for me is my queen. Lagnusa, Nero Davola, is a vineyard that was grafted from us. As you said before, um, in Montoni, we have no one biotype that came from the nursery garden. I don't love uh, the nursery garden in the sense that uh, the word nursery garden is too much claustrophobic for me because the nature is uh, so free and open that uh, non dovrebbe esistere una stanza dove si decide. It shouldn't exist a room where one decides. So what I want to say is that uh, different approach different wines of the same grape, but we must to remember that now is helping us, for example, for Nero Davola and other and the other grape, is helping us the genetic history. In the beautiful book of uh, Stevie with the Attilio Scienza, there is the genetic history of uh, Nero Davola Calabrese, that is the Montonico, and this is starting to show that uh, something uh, cannot be more uh, discussed about the origin of the genetic code. But the different uh, expression of the Nero Davola came from the evolution of the biotype in the Sicily. Because uh, Montonico came from Calabria, of uh -huh. course, the history that said the uh, Attilio Scienza. And, and Stevie in the Italian wine unplugged 2.0 say that everything came from the yeast. But uh, the new approach is that uh, what is now the word Nerodavola? What means autochthonous? Because uh, I'm sorry if I am a bit uh, going out of the, of the question, but uh, my passion about Nerodavola uh, keeps me in some very important discussion. Genetically, we have uh, discovered the origin. Now, we should say that uh, where there is the best expression and where come from the different uh, expression of the wines. For example, Lagnusa, your questions. <laughs> yes, my wine. Is another, is another Nero Davola of Montoni. And in through, we have other crew with the other Nero Davola. Until today, I divide Montoni in more or less 20 vineyards about Nero Davola in Montoni. So I could make 20 different bottles, of course, for the different uh, 
exposition, for the different altitude, for the different uh, cultivation that are close of them. But the mother is always the Brucara. But Lagnusa, that is in the hill called the Lagnusa, Lagnusa in Sicilian uh, language, that is different of Lagnusa in Italian language. Lagnusa in Italian, it means che si lagna, che si lamenta. Someone who laments. Laments. Okay. In, in Italian. In Italian. In Sicily, everyone uh, and the, all the, the employee from ever call it this hill lazy hill because it <laughs> produces a very small, very low yields. Because oh. this hill is, uh, of course, for a uh, high level of, uh, of quality. But uh, 80 years ago, the wine and the grape was not considered like now today but was considered like uh, food, like something that should be generous to give uh, energy for the life for all the years. So they call it the lazy hill, la nusa hill, that in Sicilian language it means uh, late starter. Okay. And it became uh, my big brother in the sense that is the main focus in terms of communication of the Nero Davola after the Vrucara. Well, I will probably open it tomorrow night for dinner when my friend Marcia comes over. We'll we'll think about you and toast to your health with it tomorrow night. Grazie. Don't Grazie. forget the chili. Do <laughs> Just a little bit chilled, okay. And speaking of um, genetics, I have two of your other wines in front of me, and we've learned through Professor Scienza that Peracone and Norello Mascalese are actually offspring of Sangiovese. Right, right. So, so tell me about your Peracone. You call the wine Core or Heart? Yeah. <laughs> Why? The heart is the, is the name of the crew where I come from, the Peracone of Montoni, uh, because it has the, f- the form of a heart, and from every was called the, the Heart Hill, and the Pericone of Montoni uh, is a very old too, um, and uh, it has a very old history. It's called here Guarnaccia. Okay. It's a more cultivated uh, grape after the Nerodavola and Catarratto in this center of Sicily. And uh, it's the grape cultivated by the farm because the, the Pericone of here, Guarnaccia, that is different of the Pericone of the West Coast, that is called the Pignatello, that was to the basis for the Marsala Ruby. Uh-huh. This Pericone is very, for me, fantastic because it's a, has a very uh, strong berry. It's a very blue color and uh, it's a strong uh, in, the, in the tannin and uh, very, very resistant of the disease, of the hot temperature. It's a bit wild. The first time I tasted Paraconi was at that virtual wine tasting a few years ago. And in the glass, when I was swirling it, and I love Syrah, I love French Syrah, but when I was swirling the Paraconi, I got pepper and black licorice. Yeah. And it was very aromatic, and it reminded me so much of a Syrah until I tasted it. And then it was very Sicilian. But I've never seen Paracone on the vine, but in my textbooks, it's supposed to be one of the longest bunches of grapes. How long are your bunches of Paracone? They're very long clusters in very large, huge clusters. And that's also why there's so many green parts to them, because the berry itself is quite green. And the pit itself is also quite large and remains green. And the work that Fabio does in the vine to soften those tannins. If we come back to the TV book with the Professor Scienza, we mm-hmm. can see that Pericone came from Sangiovese, but then there is a genetic d- deriva in the direction of the Alicante. That's yes. very interesting. Something that uh, it's uh, in doubt for different uh, study, but there is something that go in the direction of the, I am talking about uh, Guarnaccia, Pericone uh-huh. Guarnaccia, our Pericone, that's very old. 
it's very important wine for me because it's a bit wild in the sense that if you make wine with a normal vinification process, it's a bit scalcitante, like a horse, like a crazy horse. <laughs> it uh, needs to be tamed. Okay. All right. But, Let's talk yeah. about one of... Perricone's brothers or sisters, it's the Norello Mascalese. You have two, and one, the rose, is actually a love story in a bottle. Can you tell me about it? <laughs> the history is that uh, my grandfather bought the land from the Cardinal of Catania, Barone Francicanava, and uh, he had a vineyard in the Etna area and in Syracuse area. And uh, my grandfather told that he had uh, like a secretary, a priest that was called the priest fog. The cardinal had. The yes. cardinal, yeah. That uh, bring and brought these vines from Montoni to Etna to Siracusa, to Siracusa to Montoni, Etna to Montoni. And he brought this Nerello Mascalese in Montoni. And uh, it found here a very perfect. Uh, combination of uh, climate, first of all, for the temperature, for the altitude, it's a mountain, we have the snow in winter time and so on. So this is uh, uh, wines for the roses, wines that take the name from uh, my mama, Rose of Adele. My mama is uh, Adele and uh, my father dedicated a rose garden to Mama Adele. And uh, it's a 40 years old plants handcrafted from the mother plants that came from the Cardinal of Catania, Franciganava. And then now, uh, from uh, two years, we have uh, Nerello Mascalese Red, that is called the Terre di Elio. Elio is the name of my father, mm-hmm. and this is the name of my son. And uh, it's Terre di Elio because Nerello uh, Mascalese Red is, was the wine loved and preferred from my father Elio. Because he didn't like the wines that was heavy and he, he would say that he didn't like the wines that stained the glass. <laughs> And okay. he, this was the wine that he preferred and he drank. After here... And he made. The, and he made. Yeah, this was the yeah. made, of course. Mm-hmm. After here, I I didn't produce. Then, at the beginning, when there was the Etna, beautiful, uh, such as... I said, oh, no, I, I prefer to not make uh, Narello Mascalese. That could be something uh, compared with Etna. And then Melissa... My wife said to me, but why talk about comparison? Why you talk about competition? You are going in opposite situation of what is your history. You make your Nerello Mascalese. You make your wine. And it's a very interesting, in my opinion, um, challenge to test how the Nerello Mascalese has the expression out of the Vulcan. That is a... Mm-hmm. a the perfect, of course, area where it would be. That's why Nerello Mascalese Terrediello of Montoni is a wine that has not wood. It stays only in the, in the concrete because I would like to transfer to the consumer the soul of the grape and of the wine. Fabio, what type of soil does your Nerello Mascalese grow in? The soil is a mixture between sandy and clay. Okay. We have the highest part is more sandy for the white wines, Cataratto, Grillo, and Solia. And then the medium and the lower area is a mixture clay and sandy. Okay. So you grow uh, Grillo, Cataratto, and Insolia as your white wines. The Grillo, it is a lot like me. It sunburns easy. So do you trim a lot of the leaves back? Green pruning? Yes, of course. We make uh, the green pruning uh, in April because uh, we must consider that here everything that we do is uh, one month later than the area of uh, wine cultivation in Sicily, lower in the term of altitude. So 
we make a very hard uh, uh, green pruning because Grillo has to the attitude to make uh, a strong vegetation that is good. But uh, in, in July, we would like to have a equilibrium between the, the area around the, the leaves. Then un eccesso di vegetazione. I don't an, like an the ex excess of vegetation. Okay, and it's on one of your steeper hills, isn't it? Because that's the name, Timpa. Yes. <laughs> yes. So your Inzolia, it's named after a vineyard like with furnaces or stoves. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. Uh, here in Montoni, where we lived, there is a building that is called Baio. Baio is the typical Sicilian building that was built on 1469 and three kilometers from the Baio, from the house where we are, there is a area full of clay where uh, six centuries ago there was a hoan to make the bricks that was used to make the building where we live, the Baio. So the name of this uh, hill is uh, Fornelli. Fornelli is, uh, it means uh, where there was the Hohen. So where they baked the clay to make things. Interesting. Yeah. All of your wines have a name that is associated with history or geography. It's, it's really quite a descriptor of that. Yeah, everything uh, here take the name uh, without a marketing uh, research, without a marketing <laughs> operation. It's, uh, it is what it is. It is what it was. Okay. I really enjoy your white wines because they spend about six months on lees in concrete. So they get quite a beautiful, creamy texture to them. And they lose, they still have nice, juicy acidity, but they have such a gorgeous mouthfeel from staying on the lees for six months. Yes. Here, the white wines uh, has the maximum expression of the location where we are in terms of freshness. Sometimes people say that the wine that we produce, Catarrato, first of all, uh, that is a more expression in terms of acidity, and the Grillo with aroma, and the Insolia too, said that our white wines doesn't seem to be wines of the South, because of very high acidity and the low pH. And uh, this balance is perfect to have a beautiful Combinations very long in the final and perfect for the pairing with the food because food needs the acidity. Okay, Fabio, I have one last question for you and it is a very difficult one. Please. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> what is the favorite meal that Melissa prepares for you and, and what wine would you drink with it? I can give the word to Melissa, but I can say that this meal is the reason and the key that uh, where come from started our love history and our marriage. The recipes of Mamma Dele. I think that Melissa can explain better than me. Well, uh, Fabio and I uh, met while I was researching for my cookbook and I asked him for one recipe from his family and he told me the most important recipe is what we eat on Christmas and on Easter, which is the roasted goat of his mother. And, I made uh, that. Yeah, And you made that when we did the virtual tasting. What's so beautiful about it is that it's not only the dish that's so delicious and the and the aroma that fills fills the home uh, during it's the holiday. The but it's very interesting. It's it's the animals graze on the land from our local uh, organic shepherds, and it's a symbol of love. And and so that dish became how we started communicating so often, and At our love story started. The, the and my mother-in-law said. I would ask for specifics about the recipe and she would say, well, the dish is ready when it's ready. And then I would say, well, what temperature does the oven need to be at? All of these questions asked through Fabio. And she would and say, she when the oven is hot. And, and <laughs> so Fabio and I had to keep speaking about this dish because I would constantly
constantly ask for more details about how to make it. And the answer of Mamadella probably was the anthropological study of the Sicilian exactly. mamma cuisine. Exactly. Wow. Okay, I'm looking at the recipe right now in your book, Mama Adele's Braised Goat. And, <laughs> um, yes. Well, you won him over with love and your cooking, Melissa. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that is all my questions. Thank you to dedicate uh, this beautiful conversation and uh, prestigious podcast uh, where we are and uh, to have chosen Montoni. And it's interesting that we uh, met during a bad a time in sense of pandemic time. That was a time which everyone was isolated by, by the other people in the world. But through the wines, we met and through the wine, we started a beautiful friendship. And now uh, we are with all our friends, uh, Laika, Stevie, and all the friends of uh, Clubhouse. So. Thank you, thank you for... You're welcome. Your Grazie choosing. mille. <laughs> Grazie a te. Grazie. You were our benchmark producer for Calabrese, Nello Davola, Catarato Bianco, Comune and Grillo on our Italian Wine Unplugged yeah. 2.0. Thank you. I read a lot of time Italian Wine Unplugged. Amazing yes. book. Amazing <laughs> Everybody book. does, because it's a really a good reference for Italian wine. Of course, with the advice of Professore Atelio Sienza. And so we've got two questions from Hugh Priest. He's also our Italian wine ambassador. So two questions. Do you produce a frappato? And then the second question is, what is your favorite variety to work with? I don't produce frappato. I never production of frappato in, uh, in Montoni. And uh, now what I am going to do is to work in terms of grape, in terms of wine and vinification with the uh, old and heritage grape that I have in Montoni. Uh, someone of them, I don't know the name uh, because they are bush in the hill. They are um, unpruned. Non sono potate. They they're are not, like... They're unpruned. They're, they look like wild vines. It's something that came studying. very from the past, of course, from the <laughs> beginning of the history. And now we are starting the vinification and the study in terms of the genetic uh, uh, provenience. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Bev. Thank you, Fabio. And thank you, Melissa, for this wonderful conversation. Before I end this conversation, I wanted to say that next week we're going to have a Clubhouse Summer Marathon before the summer starts. So we're going to have on August 2, Vinicius Mirago Santiago. He will be interviewing Flavio from Villa Sandy. And we also have an August 3, McKenna Cassidy. She will be interviewing Giorgio and Robert Bava. And uh, also last for August 4, Josie Van Ustrom will be interviewing Heidi Bonanini. All right. So thank you, guys. Bye. Thank Bye, you. Thank you. Ciao. 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 Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.